Hey guys, welcome back to the show. My name is Lauren and this is my producer, Liam. Hello, hello. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and a big thank you especially to our live viewers. And before we get started, we just want to say if you enjoy the show, you want to support our content, of course, like, share, subscribe helps us out a ton, especially since YouTube isn't showing our videos to so many people anymore. Uh, but more importantly, if, if you want to help us keep the lights on over here, you can head over to blazetv.com forward slash Lauren and use the code Lauren to save on your annual subscription. And, uh, you know, in addition to help helping us make the show, you also get access to a ton of other great programs, you know, mm. John Miller, Ali Stuckey, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, uh, Graham Allen, Chad Prather. Like, there are so, so many shows going on right now. Absolutely. Phil Robertson. Yep. Yeah. Goodness, something for everyone. And it's important to mention too that that's what we do to replace Patreon. So it's a ton of help if you guys do that. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and if you're watching live and you also want to help out, uh, Super Chats are a great way to do that. Uh, we mention this every show, but for people who aren't familiar with how things work over here, we are going to go through all of the Super Chats, but we're going to do that after in our after show uh, that's going to be coming up about an hour into things um, but very very exciting show today we have a, a very relationship heavy show yeah definitely yeah so we're gonna start talking about engagement rings there's uh those are in the news again uh then why conservative wives are apparently the happiest and why that upsets some feminists and then we're going to go into the whole milkshakes of war phenomenon that's going around in the uk and then finally at about 30 minutes into the show, we're going to be going into our interview with Dave Rubin. Really excited to have him back on. It's We interviewed him on the show like a year ago, I yeah. think. So it's going yeah. to be exciting. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right into things. Engagement rings. Um, wow, okay. <laughs> there was recently a story that kind of went viral on Twitter. Um, there, there was a man and his fiance who went into a jewelry store and the man was actually shamed by the person working at the store, the clerk, uh, for buying his fiance a cheap ring. This is in front of his fiance. So we actually have that article that we can pull up here. Uh, Pandora regrets calling man pathetic for buying $130 engagement ring in front of his fiance. The article says, quote, Quinn was able to splash out on a $130 ring set made from sterling silver and cubic zirconia, but he wanted to make sure that Ariel was happy with the cheaper alternative. The employee turned to speak to another worker behind the counter and said something that the two lovebirds will never forget. Y'all, can you believe that some men get these as engagement rings? How pathetic. As the employee said this, Ariel watched Quinn's face fall. When the news of Ariel and Quinn's experience made the rounds on social media, it wasn't long before Pandora needed to have their say. They immediately apologized for their experience in the store and said that they regret the fact that the couple had to go through such an ordeal. Um, so I, it doesn't, I don't think the article said whether the employee in question was fired. I don't know. I, but I, I can't imagine that. that would be a good thing to have on your record if you're no. in a customer service role. Um, Certainly not a good way to sell rings to people. Yeah, right? exactly. Maybe she was trying to get them to spend more money by calling them. But I, I, guess, I guess that's that's how it was intended. Yeah, I don't know what the thought process behind that is. Um, so, you know, this engagement rings and whether we should be shelling out a lot of money for them. That comes up in the news every so often. Of course, this article kind of stirred this whole debate again, whether there's something right. that we should be spending a lot of money on. They don't really matter, or whatever. Um, so there is this one woman on Twitter who she put out something that went viral in a very negative way, got, a, got ratioed pretty hard. Miss Kelly Radisson uh, said, quote, I would dump a guy if he got me a nasty, cheap Pandora ring for in my engagement a guy should spend 20% of his yearly salary on a ring. Don't you agree, girls? Uh, apparently, judging by the comments, no, a lot of people do not 
agree. On that. It almost feels like a troll account, like that kind of reply. You I know? don't know, but, but, but some women are like that. That's like a Meg Tao operating that account. There are people that, that do operate. And that so way. like we, we actually kind of did the math. So if you spend like, assuming you make around 35 K, which is pretty average, that's like $7,000 on a ring. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's you could you get a car six months, you know? Yeah. And so I just want to say like, there's nothing wrong with wanting a nice engagement ring. Like I mm-hmm. want a lot of things. I want a boat, uh, monthly trips to Disney world, only ever eat dessert like i have a lot of wants and you know nothing wrong with wanting a nice ring if something important to you you want to be able to cherish it for the rest of your life but what what's frustrating to me about this whole conversation that keeps coming up is that for some women they make it seem like the the engagement ring is what they want out of the engagement rather than the fiance Mm. um like they don't just want a big ring they're willing to leave their boyfriend slash potential fiance if they don't get it yeah, and it's funny. I've seen that happen. I've heard it from a lot of lower income couples. Yeah, which is strange to me. But I think, I think to me at least, you know, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist, evolutionary psychologist. But to me, it has to do a little bit maybe with the hypergamy kind of thing, where yeah, it's like a it's a status, status symbol. symbol. And I don't think it's a status symbol that you show to other men, right? It's a status symbol over other women. Like, yes, I'm worth spending this amount of money on. Yeah. So that's where I see it with these women, even though that their men might not make that much money, they want a huge rock. Yeah, you know? and to me, that's just. It's so stupid because like if you are financially comfortable, then there's no reason to spend a lot of money because you don't need to prove things to other people. And if you're not financially comfortable, then you especially shouldn't be going out of your way just for some status symbol that you can't afford. Right. And they they depreciate in value extremely quickly too. It's not like they gain value, these rings. So it's it's a horrible investment, not to mention diamonds, right? Diamonds are super overrated. No, not not only that, but I I wrote this on my note. There's also like the ethical issue with conflict diamonds going on now. Like the whole De Beers thing, there there are conflict-free diamonds, but those are even more expensive. And and especially like if you're talking about something like an heirloom piece of jewelry, you don't know where it came from. So there's like, there's a whole bunch of ethical questions, like not even just, is this worth spending money on? Like not to mention the fact that you can make diamonds in a factory now that are better quality than the ones you find. Yeah. And they're, they're like chemically or like physically the same identical if not actually more pure we put them on the end of drill bits that's how expendable they are but you're not allowed to put them on rings no well you can you can put them on rings i think it's illegal in some places to put them on rings. like you 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 can have manufactured rings um they Mm. are cheaper than like the natural diamonds and like what we're talking about they're not um the cubic zirconia which is a fake diamond this is a real diamond it's just lab grown i think they call them manufactured diamonds and they're they are cheaper not like they're not free or anything but they're just less expensive but you know i've read on reddit some women don't even want to accept that like they want the actual they want they want the blood diamonds yeah exactly like there was a babylon b parody article that says uh, you know woman refuses ring or something like if if no fewer than like three diamond miners have died for oh, it sort mm-hmm. of thing it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a different way to prove your love and <laughs> i i kind of view the whole obsession over engagement rings the same way i do the obsession over weddings like there's nothing wrong with wanting a nice ring there's nothing wrong with wanting a nice wedding this is a huge like i don't know hallmark part of your life it's going to change the the rest of your life so yeah you know if you if you can afford it shell out for it make it special of course like little girls dream about this for the the entirety of, of growing up but there there are women now who i feel like they don't understand that rings and weddings are important not just because it's a ring and a wedding but because of yeah. what it symbolizes the marriage the love you have for your partner and it's, it's not like, just a milestone in your life yeah that you're reaching and you're celebrating with this kind of material thing 
exactly. Yeah. Um, and it just, especially, I just feel like like this kind of goes hand in hand with just the general financial irresponsibility that yeah. a lot of millennials have. And I feel really bad for like this kind of mentality is exactly what we see. Like we have people that we know where they're specifically they're waiting to get married because they can't afford it right now and you know like they're probably thinking about things how are we going to pay for the wedding how are we going to pay for the ring and it just it makes me sad that people would be kind of putting off this important and wonderful part of their life because they're they're beholden to like our societal expectations of how much money they should be spending it's just yeah absolutely and even for guys you know guys end up buying thousand dollar white gold rings or whatever it's just just typical things that um, a lot of us started gravitating towards. You see all like the meteorite and the dinosaur bones. Yeah. Kind of cool looking. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, lie. the dinosaur I don't any... bone thing, I think is pretty cool. But it's like... Oh, problem with it. Yeah. But I mean, for myself, like Lauren got me, well, two clutter rings. Yeah. The first one. He lost one. I mean, you can't really see it from here, but it, it's just a simple sil- silver clatter ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I lost one in Lake Champlain while swimming. It fell off. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's... A simple silver ring that I can use. I don't need a thousand dollar ring for that kind of thing to commemorate it. Yeah. Plus, I'm just going to lose it in a few years. Or um, yeah, and I mean the thing is like, like I said yes to you without even seeing my ring. Yeah, yeah, like because it yeah, it's, it's a long story, but my ring hadn't arrived by the time he wanted to propose when we were in Ireland. Yeah. So he just used like a, a regular clotter ring, and it's like, can you imagine if like you were down on one knee and you asked me to marry you, and then. Like I say, like let me see the ring first, or like I use that as a bar. It's just so ridiculous. To that would have been good. Yeah, and and so like for women who that is really important to, and like I, I know there's going to be some people who say like, no, you don't understand the significance. Like, fine, even if you want a really nice ring, why don't why don't you help chip in for it then? You know, if if your fiance can't afford it right now, or there's also the possibility of you guys just waiting until you're a little bit further on in your careers to get a different ring like yeah. i don't think that's out of the question absolutely like, not my i mean my my dad has bought my mom multiple rings over their marriage so it's like you know you can have like your your starter one when you guys are kind of like maybe both in school or students and then get a different one if you're a bit further along financially yeah it just it's it's really sad to me to see like people like kelly um kind of i don't know perpetuating the idea that a guy has to show that he loves his his girlfriend wife or whatever by buying her expensive things if he wants to do that that's amazing like spending money on someone you love is a really nice thing to do but it's it's not the only thing that matters so uh anyway for people who are listening we would love to know what you guys think about this uh our next story also has to do with relationships um so we hear the idea pretty often that conservative women must be miserable and repressed they're just like handmaid's tale you know barefoot in the kitchen just like slaving away over the oven Uh, according to one article released by the new york times though that stereotype especially when it comes to marriage just not true uh from the article religious men can be devoted dads too i love how that like you mentioned it's like a shocking thing they're like what i thought that was the status quo yeah same um but but this this article says in studying women who report above average satisfaction commitment closeness and stability in their relationships we find that women at both ends of the ideological spectrum enjoy comparatively high quality marriages compared with women in the religious and ideological middle as well as secular women who lean right culturally and it turns out that the happiest of all wives in america are religious conservatives followed by their religious progressive counterparts Fully 73% of wives who hold conservative gender values and attend religious services regularly with their husbands have high-quality marriages. 
When it comes to relationship quality, there is a J-curve in women's marital happiness, with women on the left and the right enjoying higher quality marriages than those in the middle, but especially wives on the right. So, a couple things I find interesting there. Number one, what is a progressive religious person? Like, I, I wish they would have qualified that. Yeah, a I mean, bit yeah, more. I didn't see what that was in the article, at least. Yeah, so it's like, are are they talking about like Buddhists? Is that what progressive? Or it's like you go to a church, but they let women speak on like I to me like or yeah. you're Christian, but everything is you, empathy is the only value yeah exactly like what what does that even mean yeah. um like never mind that the idea oh, it's one of those churches where they serve beer you know like <laughs> yeah what? we did an episode on like the now this one where he's up there preaching about uh how men should shut up about abortions oh gosh that was like if that if there's yeah. ever a sign of the end times it's that guy um yeah so this i thought was really funny not just the fact that you know, this, what a lot of us have known to be true for a while turns out to be quantifiably true. But the reaction to this, um, when this article was shared on Twitter, was tons and tons of progressive women, um, like just being mad at the New York Times for publishing this. We we have some tweets here from the, this one woman, she said, in reply to this article, you know, absolutely about the, whoa, huh? I think she meant nothing. Okay, you know absolutely nothing about the repression of religious conservative women, huh? I would have reported that I was so happy while I went back and forth planning my suicide. This is irresponsible reporting. Hold up a second. Her name is literally Manic Asadi Dream Girl or whatever. So she seems like a person we like, should be taking. Yeah, that cues seems like someone this. that's in a good place. Yeah. Right. Um, and then like another person, my malarkey, a religious former conservative wife here. I too would have said I was happy so God didn't think I was ungrateful. But if I'd felt like I was allowed to be honest with myself, I'd have discovered much sooner that I was deeply depressed living under misogyny and emotional abuse. So the, the, there were a ton of replies like that, just like women being very upset that they would... I don't like... Because they're just reporting what people said, but mm. they're, they're just angry. They're angry at this article. Um, I think it's it's pretty interesting that these women and like not these ones that i chose to read they were from people who were apparently conservative and religious before because right. we know people never lie on the internet um i just think it's interesting that some of the women who were just like outright feminists don't understand that some women maybe don't think the way that they do or have the same priorities that they do um because it's like not only are you saying that you're happy not being religious or conservative but they must be unhappy yeah absolutely uh, i thought that one of the interesting things was too is that they're claiming that these anecdotal experiences that they claim to have first of all um would be more widespread within the data right yeah but i also think that progressive women would be equally likely to self-report happiness when they're not happy yeah you know i think it's part of their identity as conservative uh, sorry as progressive empowered women to, they have to be they happy have to be happy otherwise to show how great it is being progressive and empowered exactly so i think you could say that both sides of the data might have flaws i can yeah. understand that uh, and that's and something you have to take into consideration but no for sure and like this is something where it's like self-reported and i think any study where you rely on people mm -hmm. self-reporting yes. stuff is gonna have its issues but i don't really know how else to study like this and, and it be wasn't conducted. that close either too like it wasn't that close the conservative women were markedly more happy yeah exactly like um and just the thing i feel like and this is like being perpetuated a lot in the media right now with all these handmaid's tale memes but i feel like there's this like assumption that being religious and conservative means like literally sh like white sharia yeah. or something like that but i mean unless we're talking like maybe westboro baptist amish Scientology, maybe I don't know much about whether they'd be conservative, or progressive, but or someone you know like a Muslim fundamentalist. 
religious women are not being oppressed, at least not not in the West. And I think what these people see as oppression is generally just like, oh, there are gender roles. Like yeah. that to them is is oppressive. And like, I don't want to speak on these people's experiences. I'm not going to say like, that they should have been happy in their situations. I don't know what was going on with them. Um, but for them to try to say that all other women who are religious and conservative um, must be like lying about their happiness, uh, they're being subjective, subjected to misogyny and emotional abuse. It's like, where do you get this? Yeah. And I think it's so intuitive too, because at least for me, when I when I think of a conservative woman or anyone that holds conservative uh, values, beliefs, um, I would think that they're more likely to be happy because they don't fall into two traps, right? They don't, one, they don't equate pleasure to happiness because right. traditional values don't say, don't always pursue pleasure at all costs. And they also don't strive directly for happiness all the time, which I think is what the, the empowered feminists always try to aim for. Oh, whatever makes me happy. Right. Yeah. Which is an age old kind of truth that if you, if that's your main goal, you tend to never be happy. Right. It's kind of widely accepted amongst people. Like if you're just aiming to be happy, you'll always be unhappy. You need to have a purpose more than that. Right. And I think that's why um, something that like they talk about in church is the difference between happiness and joy. And it's like when you right. are a Christian, you're not promised like happiness all the time. If you look at Job, that's just like not the case. If anyone's trying to tell you otherwise, that's some like prosperity gospel BS. But like you can find joy and greater fulfillment in that, which I think like if you center your life around that idea, it does actually end up leading to happiness as right, well. Exactly. Um, and you know, the whole idea behind gender roles and responsibilities, you know, beyond, I think, you know, the sort of spiritual component to it, I think that just, you know, the idea that there's everyone has their part to play in this team, there's roles, there's responsibility that we have on each other and we rely on each other as a team. That's something we see a lot more in traditional marriages than the modern form of marriage, which is like everyone's doing their own thing. Separate bank and, accounts. Yeah, separate bank uh, accounts. You know. It's like you, you don't want to like rely on each other too much almost. Um, I think that would probably be, be, be stressful versus the like traditional idea. It's like when you get married, you are one. You have the same goals, responsibilities, yeah. and, and all that. And I think these are the same kind of people who might be inclined to say that marriage as an institution is just oppressive because it like – I mean it limits what you can do. Yeah. Like just any any restrictions on behavior is oppression. Uh, I don't know. Um, and like with that being said, I do think the conservative lifestyle, it's true. Like if you take like these like third wave feminist women and put them in a conservative household, I would see that they wouldn't be happy right. um, because like there's no self-indulgent. You have a ton of responsibility, you know, sexual pr promiscuity, not accepted. Uh, you know, nihilism is not going to do well in that kind of uh, environment. No. Um, but the thing is like, this is what you kind of touched upon as well. Like they may be unhappy without those things, but pursuing those things won't make them happy anyway. Right. Yeah. You're just trying to fill a void. Ultimately, exactly. So I think like, it's it's so what you're saying is they need a like a chinese re-education camp sort of thing right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah exactly okay. well actually like i have notes that touch on similar points but i mean it's it's just a fact now that women are getting unhappier the more that we try to divorce them from ideas of femininity motherhood and, and stuff like that it's like women reported being happier in the 80s than they are right now and i think like i'm not saying let's take away the right to vote for women because they'll like that or anything it's just like i think our, our society is trying to tell us like earthly material pleasures will satisfy us yeah. when that they're just not doing it. And we were like kind of left 
morally, spiritually, emotionally just empty, like you said. Um, yeah, so sucks that people were freaking out about this. I think a lot of conservative religious people already knew this. So it's kind of like, yeah, uh, thank you for qualifying what we've known to be true for a long time. Um, okay, so next story, milkshakes of war. Um, there have been some funny memes about this, but it is at its core a serious topic. Uh, so it's it's time for EU elections. In the UK, there are some beloved pro-Brexit personalities that have been milkshaked, or I think like milkshaking is the term that they're they're using. Uh, we yeah, have yeah. some some images of like see like Tommy Robinson's been hit, Nigel Farage as well, and I think that's a uh, Sargon uh, Carl Benjamin. Sargon's been hit four times. Yeah, four times. Ooh, he's popular. Yes. Um, so we have an article from CBS News who was reporting on it. Throwing milkshakes as a political statement makes a splash in Britain. Clever. Makes a splash because throwing milkshakes. Okay. A warm welcome for British politician Nigel Farage took a cold turn. Wow, whoever wrote this is just funny, funny. At a campaign stop in England this week, the divisive Brexit party leader was hit by a banana and salted caramel milkshake. I love that they included this detail in there. That sounds delicious. Uh, he and his tailored suit became the latest target of milkshaking, a political statement making a splash in Britain. Protesters are targeting right-wing politicians on the campaign trail. Controversial candidate Carl Benjamin has been hit four times in just a week. Far-right politician Tommy Robinson was attacked too, but fought back. Oh, Good I, on you, Tommy. Yeah, I bet Tommy would. Uh, <laughs> but police aren't laughing. They arrested Farage's attacker and charged him with assault. And we actually have a picture of uh, Farage's attacker. And if He's an extremely masculine-looking guy. It, well, yeah. I mean, if you're <laughs> listening to this like on one of the audio-only formats, uh, the stereotype of what you would think someone would look like. Your Starbucks boy. You know, yeah. <clears throat> honestly, like we need, to, we need to check that that was actually a milkshake. Right, we need to be sure that there wasn't some kind of milk replacement, like a soy beverage in there. Um, but yeah, he's wearing a gamer shirt, overweight, he's balding, he's got the beard, he's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It, it, glasses, I mean, the hipster glasses, it's everything you would want it to be and more. Um, so there's like been this kind of debate online sparked by this, like, is this violence? Does this count as violence? I mean, to me, absolutely, it's violence. You know, here in Canada, if you spit on someone, it's considered assault. Yeah. Right? Like, and Tommy did the right thing. If someone someone attacks you with that stuff. I think you have the right to I, fight back. You don't yeah. know what's in there. You don't know what they're going to do there. next. Plus, you're wearing a suit. Some of those suits are expensive. You know, yeah, it's like, like, this is property damage. It is, it is yeah. property damage. And no, for sure. You don't want that stuff on you the whole day. That's just, no, of course. It's assault. And it's up. like, you don't you don't know what's in there. Like, if someone throws a unknown like, yeah, substance liquid on, on yeah. you. I mean, Michael Knowles, he had, I think it was like, bleach or it smelled like bleach or something it's like you just you don't know uh also waste yeah. of a good milkshake um i'm not i'm not i don't have a problem with them th that, that banana part of and it. salted caramel uh, listen, that listen there are a lot of calories in milkshakes that okay so good um but like as a as a treat i don't know um so yeah i i think this is definitely assault for sure and i'm glad that at least the guy who threw one at a farage got us arrested because like that's yeah. it, it's not acceptable we can't have a society where people just throw cold beverages at each other no, no matter how delicious no, they that's going to escalate too because i mean you you should be able to defend yourself and yeah. then, and then uh, you know just kind of it's it's like a the first kind of violence uh you definitely have to think it's violence especially if you're someone that would say that words are violence right? yes yeah the, this is obviously way more violent than that well ian miles chong i think it's pretty sure it was him on twitter said like exactly that the people who are throwing these milkshakes pretty sure are the kind of people who would say misgendering someone is violence so you yeah. can't have it both ways if words are violence then throwing something at someone is is absolutely violence and i kind of take the idea like if you touch me in any way 
that's like a, a, aggressive, like throwing something at me, um, like pushing me, shoving me, whatever. That's that's assault. Like that's I'm sorry, yeah. we just don't do that. Now, I'm not saying stand your ground and start whipping out your pistol and start gunning. Well, yeah, around, no, there's but, proportionality you know, yeah, yeah. to consider. I mean, of course, I'm not right. saying that like you know someone throws a milkshake at someone and then you just I don't know. I was going to make a very uh, like Black Lives Matter insensitive joke, but I'm going to stop myself. Yeah, it's like proportionality. Yeah, um, yeah but give them a good a good socking. You know, yeah, that's all, and that's it. And but, but it was this. It, we had a similar thing when uh, remember that it was this Australian politician after the New Zealand shooting. He said some. I think what like what could fairly be classified as anti-Muslim oh, I, statements. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think that's a, a stretch to say. And uh, someone like like put an egg on his head. Oh, and he. Yeah beat the crap out of that kid it looks like like he like was not this kid like probably looked like he weighed like 130 soaking wet and the 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 politician was like this big dude and he wasn't having it and it's like look you know i think like well you deserve it he probably could have gone a bit easier but it's like you started this yes you absolutely started this you don't get to be upset like when someone defends themselves that's what the thing with these milkshake boys and these egg you know, throwers or whatever they might be. Like a lot of them, they're not prepared for actual violence yeah. when the guy drops the gloves. You know, I saw the guy that that milkshake Tommy too. I'm sure that Tommy could have manhandled the man. So, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't get behind that at all. But I will say, uh, do you think that this is political violence? Yes, of course. So like, it, I mean, you okay. don't. They're not just like coincidentally targeting, right? Like uh, Farage, Sargon, and and Tommy while they happen to be campaigning. Yeah, it absolutely it's both is. politically motivated and it's violence. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of have trouble with the idea of calling it political violence because that kind of does water down the term. And you see... That well, I mean, left- you have, like, you have, like, I think it's fair to say that there's, like, levels, right? Yes. Yeah, and it's, like, someone uh, who, yeah. would like, would push someone for disagreeing with them. That's also political violence, but of course it's not the same as, uh, you know, shooting someone or IRA stabbing stuff someone. Or, yeah. Right. And it's, like, I, I believe these I people should be held accountable, through, like, by law, but it doesn't mean I think they should, like, be locked away for 10 years or something. Like, I think no. community service or whatever fine would probably be fine uh, but throw them throw them in the cage for a few months a couple months at least a couple yeah, months. harden them up a little well bit i mean i mean right good. now honestly though it's it's a thing that they they have to prepare for right like like the police asked mcdonald's and burger king prior to yeah. a rally to not sell milkshakes uh which mcdonald's complied but burger king burger actually king. said we're be serving milkshakes all weekend everybody yeah have, have fun, fun. With that. Um, yeah, they actually like afterwards, after they sent that out and people were kind of like, whoa, kind of seems like Burger King is promoting political violence. They like added an addendum. We're like, oh, by the way, we, we of course would not support, you know, political violence. We just want to sell milkshakes. It's like, all right, Burger King, yeah, you, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I would Talking say, about dog whistles. yeah, I would say that I'm going to boycott them, but I don't eat at Burger King anyway. Cause I have taste. I don't know who does really. Frankly, honestly, right? it's like, it's like everybody's third choice maximum of burger places. No, no, I just refuse. Like I've actually, like, I've had like with friends been in a Burger King and I was just like, no, actually we need to find somewhere else. And you, you can believe that. Cause you know, I'm, I can, but I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this whole, this, this whole thing about violence and physical violence which we're seeing normalized more and more in politics i mean this happened in the uk but we're seeing this in the states all the time um to me it just it's what people resort to when they've exhausted all other avenues of self-expression and dr phil who if you watch this show you know i love you know he, he kind of he talks about why people resort to violence and it's usually because they feel like they have no other way of expressing no themselves or yeah. no other recourse they don't know what else to do um it's one of the reasons why low iq people uh tend to be more prone to violent expression because they like 
if you don't have the linguistic or whatever abilities, yeah, you have less resources. Um, and, and that's something that we see like consistently across history and culture and stuff like that. When it comes to these milkshake bandits, I don't think they're necessarily low IQ. Um, but I think it's fair to say that they are emotionally stunted. And uh, maybe not low IQ, but a little bit low T. Oh yeah. That's fair to say. Yeah. That's fair to say. Low T. And I think like intellectual, like soufflés, like they're just, they're soft. They're yeah. delicate. Like they don't know what else to do when they're confronted with someone who whose ideas are, are apparently akin to Nazism. So they just freak out. They lose it. They don't know what else to do. The the only response that they have is to throw stuff at which them. Which is a which is also a pitiful attempt of violence, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's really like laughable. This is. I can't do anything but throw a milkshake at you. Like this is the this is the most I can do. Yeah, it's like not know? even like a like a beer or something. Like no. it is a milkshake. Um, and some something that like you kind of touched upon, which other people have been as well, is that like it's not a good idea for these people to start trying to normalize violence when all of the people who are good at violence are kind of on one side of things, which is not their side. You know, if if all of the guys in your Antifa club are like male feminists who i don't know have less testosterone than i do maybe this isn't the kind of thing you want to start normalizing because it's not going to end up going well for you and i say that like without any like that's not a threat that's just a statement of fact it will be it's going to be bad so let's not let's not go there um but i you know with that being said i think it's about time to get ready for our ruben interview Uh, of people who are watching live we will be back in a few seconds with that Hey, Dave, it's so good to speak to you again. Lauren, how's it going? I, I am good. Really happy to have you here. I, I mean, I feel like the last time I had you on my show, not the other way around, was I think it's over a year ago. It has been too long. We were just kids last time. I know. Now you're, I... now you're a big star. I don't know what's <laughs> going on with me, but you're killing it. No, no. I mean, I, I wish, but we I think we're all trying at this point, which actually we will get into. But um, yeah, there's we have so much to talk about since we, we last had you on. And the first thing I'm going to ask you is kind of it. It seems like very general, but trust me, I'm going somewhere with this is what what do you see your role role as an interviewer to be? Because, you know, you have the Rubin Report. You've had some of the if not the biggest names in political commentary and politics. So, you know, when you have all these people with these huge platforms on like what's your goal when you're talking to them well i like how you preface that question with trust me i'm going somewhere (laughs) with this um well you know things evolve over time when i started doing this show you know for your audience that isn't that familiar with just sort of my my evolution and my adventure i did stand up in new york for about 12 years uh then i was at the young turks when i moved here to la about seven years ago or so uh and then about four years ago uh when i left the young turks i went over uh, to Aura TV, which is Larry King's digital network, and and I had Sam Harris on as the first guest, and my I wasn't doing an interview show. I wasn't brought there to do an interview show. They had Larry King there. They still have Larry King there to do an interview show, but I wanted my first show to be about everything that Sam had been going through when it related to that whole episode that I know you're well aware of, the the Ben Affleck gross and racist yeah. lines I've thrown out during real time, and then suddenly the entire left was saying that Sam Harris and Bill Maher were racist and they were bigots. Um, And I felt we did about an hour and a half interview and I felt right when the interview was over, I was like, that's what I wanna do. It felt important, it felt relevant. Uh, It felt like we were using technology properly because there were five or six things that Sam had been unfairly maligned on, I felt, 
and we we asked him each specific one and put each one up as a as a standalone video that way the next time he would be lied about he would be able to click you know just copy the link and say well here's what i actually said if you if you care instead of just trolling me or trying to attack me and then from that point forward um and you know at this point i was still definitely part of the left uh, i started getting more and more into the free speech thing and realizing that there was so much just rotten thinking on the left related to free speech uh, it was at the beginning of when identity politics was really blowing up. And my world just sort of kept opening and opening, really mostly with liberals who were disaffected by the left, which is funny because people say, oh, Ruben only talks to those crazy right wingers <laughs> like Lauren Chen. And it's like, it's like, actually, if you were to really count out most of my guests, most of them either are, are liberals in the classical sense or are at, or at least were at one time lefties and maybe are now something else. And that just shows you how the math is so out of whack. But I feel like my my role in all of this is doing what I do every week, which I really love doing and I think I'm pretty good at it. And sometimes I make mistakes and sometimes I don't have the perfect follow-up question or whatever it may be. Uh, but I enjoy sitting across from somebody like I just did with you in my studio right here and looking them in the eye for an hour and seeing what they think about things and seeing if they really know what they're talking about and seeing if they have interesting new ideas or if they're just regurgitating stuff or whatever else. Uh, I like having that conversation. And, you know, it's obviously grown bigger than that now because, you know, I, I go out and speak and I'm doing stand up again. And I, I love public stuff. Like I love being out in front of a live crowd. I toured for a year with Jordan Peterson. Um, I would say my role has been, you know, a little bit of a facilitator of getting some of these ideas out there. I think I've sort of been some of the connective tissue of the intellectual dark web, whatever that was or, or is. Um, and, you know, I like what I'm doing. Other people seem to like it. And I'm just going to keep going and see where it all ends up, you know. Well, I mean, you've obviously struck a chord with people because, I mean, your podcast is consistently like one of the top rated in news and politics. And I mean, I know I like listening to it in that kind of audio format, audio only format a lot of the time because it's like you can just yeah. be more immersed in it. But I mean, the, the kind of the reason why I wanted to bring this up because you, you mentioned free speech, you talk about free speech a lot on your platform, but it's almost like we're living in an age now where ideas are treated like diseases, where you, you can catch someone's ideas just by kind of talking to them. And yeah. I've always been someone who I, I think an interview was a good interview if I've gained new insights about the person who's being interviewed. I mean, and, you know, from that, I just hope things are civil, but I'm really just, I, I have a lot of wiggle room for what I consider, consider a good interview. Um, we're, we're seeing more and more, though, that that opinion is not standard, especially among people of a certain political persuasion. Um, you know, you're someone who you've had a lot of views that your guests have had attribute, attributed to you just for having them on. And I think that's a very difficult place to be in as an interviewer. Um, so just one of the things I, I want to know is that because we live in this environment, whether we like it or not, these are just the facts. If you have someone on, you're going to be associated with them for better or worse. Is there has there ever been anyone lately where you've you've wanted to talk to them to find out more about them? Uh, you think it would be an interesting show for your viewers, but you just you know for whatever reason, regardless how the how the interview itself actually came out, because of this whole guilt by association thing, you just couldn't. Your your hands were kind of tied as a creator. Yeah. So first, we should be clear about one thing, which is that this guilt by association thing really, again, it's like, look, I could I could knock myself out just endlessly talking about 
my frustrations with the left, obviously, and everyone understands that. And the reason I get as much hate as I do is because I've, I've escaped the left and survived. So they have to extract a very high price on me because they're, they're really dealing with an endless hostage situation over there. Anyone that wakes up out of what the left is, from me to Lindsay Shepard to Brett Weinstein to old school classical liberals, Jordan, Jordan Peterson now is probably a little more of a conservative traditionally, but, but people that are basically into enlightenment values and liberalism, if you take any position that is against leftist progressive orthodoxy, especially against that entity politics, which is the Shangri-La of their whole operation, um, they will boot you out. So you have this nonstop hostage, situa hostage situation. And we just should note that, you know, if people, People on the right talk to people on the left. No one on the right seems to want to destroy them for it. Mm -hmm. You know, when I have people on the left or liberals on my show, the people on the right usually are like, ah, you know, I didn't really like him. The conservatives, they're like, ah, those ideas were kind of stupid or I've heard all that before or whatever. But nobody's, I'm unsubscribing, I'm banning this channel, I'm reporting this, I'm, I'm going to, you know, publicly smear him and all of these things. It really is only become coming from the left because it has become a type of secular religion. And if you don't bow to it constantly, they'll do anything that they can to destroy you. So for me, it's A, they don't like me because I escaped and I'm still alive. And it's not just that I'm alive, I'm thriving. I mean, my show is doing great. The things that I'm doing matter. I, I have a book coming out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm busting my ass. I'm working hard. I'm very satisfied with everything. And I hope I'm doing a little bit of a course correction of whatever's going on, whatever's wrong with, with this discussion in society right now. Um, but yes, look, I had Mike Cernovich on last week and I had had him on three and a half years ago. And over the last year, I've really seen this guy moderate. I've seen him change his views. I've seen him been contrite and I've seen him apologize. I think everybody is worthy of a second chance. I think most of us are probably worthy of a third chance. I think we've all made mistakes. I still make mistakes now. Um, and I sit here truly as the, as the best version of myself that I've ever been, but it's still a hugely flawed person and I do want to get better. And I hope I look back when I'm 52 and go, man, Ruben at 42 had so much work to do, but I did it, you know, like that's the purpose in life. But I knew I was going to get a ton of hate for having Cernovich on. And it was just like, I had to weigh it. It's like, I get a certain amount of hate. I, you know, I know that'll probably come with demonetization and I'll probably get deplatformed from something else. Uh, but then, as you mentioned, uh, Mayor Pete, uh, yeah. he had agreed to do my show or his press person passed along, said DM me on Twitter. And we went back and forth over emails that we were going to try to work it out. They were going to work it out in an L.A. trip that he has coming up, I think, this coming week. They said it's a packed trip, but we'll try to do it. If not, after that, we sent them our official pitch. I mean, all the legit stuff that we do all the time. Uh, to get guests on the show. And then the head of Media Matters went after uh, his Buttigieg, Buttigieg, how do you say it? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. I am 70% sure. Yeah. Mayor Pete, let's say, uh, went after his press secretary on Twitter and don't do it. He's sitting down with this guy, Cernovich. And then next thing you know, Vox journalists and Huffington Post journalists and other blue check journalists are all jumping on board trying to shame Mayor Pete from doing my show. And it's like, how, I mean, I get it. Journalism is basically dead. But it's like, how do you guys even pretend to be journalists when you're trying to pressure a politician over what what interviewer he sits down with? And the irony, of course, is that these are the same people who will say I'm too much of a softball interviewer. And it's like, I would sit down with the guy, treat him with the exact same respect and decency uh, and openness as I have done with every single one of my guests who I have treated every single one of them exactly the same. But the fact that that Mayor Pete or and or his 
PR people that they acquiesced to the mob. And then suddenly we got an email saying he's not going to do it. And now they're not even responding to me any further shows that this guy either doesn't have good people around him or he's the type of person that bows to the mob. And if you're going to bow to the freaking Media Matters Vox mob, well, then I'm pretty sure you're not going to stand up to Trump. Uh, or Putin or anything else. So it's really disappointing, but this is how they want to get you. I mean, what they it's, this isn't about me or having Mayor Pete on the show. This is about will our public figures, will you, will me, will the rest of us, will we consistently bow to the mob? Every time someone, get that you know, they want to make the fringe just get that much tighter and tighter and tighter so that basically everyone will be afraid to be, talk to everyone. I will be afraid to talk to you. You will be afraid to talk to me. They will silence us all. And then only that little sliver of what they think is okay, which is progressive leftist lunacy, is going to be okay to talk about. And I just won't bow to it. And I know you won't bow to it either. And that's why you're doing well. And we just need more brave people out there. There, there is a bravery deficit. Uh, that's one of the things I'm writing about in my book right now. There is a bravery deficit. And I don't think I'm special or unique. I think for some reason I'm willing to do this. I don't know why. Maybe years from now I'll figure it out. Or maybe it's for someone, maybe it's for someone else to figure it out. But um, And by the way, that, that the good far outweighs the bad, without question, without question. Um, but there is a bravery deficit, and we need more people to just stand up. If more of us – people want to how – how do you fix this? That's what I get all the time at public events. How do you fix this? How do we reset this? Well, it, what do you think? Is it that we just keep kowtowing to the mob, keep silencing ourselves, don't say what you think? Or is it if enough of us just stood up and said no more of this, that we might actually find out that this thing's a paper tiger? I suspect that's what it is. Yeah. And I mean, watching that whole Buttigieg thing unfold on, on Twitter as sort of a third person observer, what I was really confused about is, um, I mean, A, I think you were being painted as alt-right, which is just, I mean, that's a a whole conversation for another time, the ridiculousness of that. But it seemed to me sort of that the people who were going after you the most viciously, um, trying to tell Buttigieg to stay away were also the people who were, like you said, complaining that you're not talking with the left enough, that you host right. too many conservatives. Um, we absolutely are living in a, a mob culture, mob mentality situation right now. And what I'm wondering is that do you think that there's something you could do where these people would be like, oh, you know what? That no. Dave Rubin guy. Hit. Right, right. Because it's it's an endless Bow test of purity forever. testing. Yeah. Bow forever. That is the only thing they want. They want acquiescence. They want they want submission. That they believe that they are right. They own the truth. The people that came before them were either racists or idiots, that their political opponents are inherently evil. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know this line. I, I quote it often, but it's from Dennis Prager. He says that the right thinks that the left is wrong. The left thinks that the right is evil. Mm -hmm. And I think that basically sums it up. I mean, that's what I have consistently seen. I see all the time now, all the events that I get invited to are, are conservative or libertarian or right-leaning events. I meet all, all sorts of people, gay, straight, black, white, trans, this, that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I never meet racist people. I meet respectful people. Most often people come up to me after at some of these things and they'll say, you know, Dave, I disagree with you on this or that. So, for example, as you know, I'm, I'm begrudgingly pro-choice and I'm finding it I'm finding it to be a harder and harder position to hold because the left is going so bananas uh, with late term abortions and the rest of it and the way they're glorifying abortion. I mean, it's disgusting. Um, that being said, I still I'm still trying to stake out a decent what I believe is a decent liberal centrist position on it, but I, I get the differences we might have. We don't, we don't have to do it here if you don't want to. But um, I, people come up to me and they say, Dave, you know, I have serious differences with you about that, but I, but I enjoyed hearing a nice, decent, open 
talk. Can I just show you something right now? Yeah, so go I have my for it. Sitting here. Did you hear that? My phone, my phone has been sitting here next to me. I was not touching it. I didn't say anything about Siri. You know what? That's happened to me before. I said serious when I was on, like, doing a live show once, and then Siri turned on because I said serious, and I've been scarred from ever having Siri on my phone, like, turned on ever again because uh, she will, she will screw you up in interviews. I do not like Siri. I don't know who's listening to any of that, but anyway. I, you know, I think that's basically the point. I, there is there is a richness right now, and I hope it will stick, and I hope that I'm able to help it grow uh, on the right right now. I sense there's so many good people willing to, to, to battle these things out in an open, honest way. It doesn't mean everyone on the right is, and, I, and I'm worried about, you know, some of these, whatever these, the, the, the real, let's say, far-right racist people. Uh, but those are far and few between, and they don't have institutional power. And if anything, more of them at this point are just becoming a trolley reaction to the lunacy of the left. So I th we've got a big fight ahead of us, and I think it's still going to get worse before it gets better. I think that's pretty obvious. And mentioning words like the left, the right, and things like that, you were recently mentioned in, in a Quillette piece. And it was a bit of a strange piece, in my opinion. I mean, I love Quillette, love Claire Lehman, that piece in particular, mm -hmm. I was a little uh, less sure about. But it, the, the author in question seemed to be making uh, the, the argument that, you know, the who we might think of as progressives, they are now the new left and that people like, let's say, Tim Poole or the Brett Weinsteins, they're not necessarily even left anymore. Maybe mm -hmm. they're more center. So, I mean, it's almost as if this article was reinforcing the idea that the Overton window has shifted left. And now everyone who was, I guess, like a moderate right, like me, now we're extreme right. Do you think that's that's a legitimate thing to say? Because I'm I'm mixed about that because I feel like when I look at the uh, like the lefty Twitter journals who are trying to witch hunt people like you, it, they are definitely the loudest in the left. But I mean, I have so many people who watch my videos who are, I would say, politically homeless, um, who, you know, I, I wouldn't call them not left because they're still very liberal and progressive on a lot of things. They're just not these like raging identitarians. Uh, you know, someone like Tim Poole, I think, fits this category very nicely. Do you think it's right to kind of cede like ground to these people taking control of the left? Should we be fighting back against them seizing that label more? I'm, I'm confused because, I mean, if, if we admit that the, these people are the new mainstream left, then it leaves people like Ben Shapiro kind of like out on the fringes, which I think is exactly what they want. Yeah. So, okay. So you gave a lot in that lead up there. So it's a great question and it hits a ton of stuff. So first off, um, you know, all of us that, that are in this political talk world, when we say the left or the right or this or that, you know, it's shorthand for the sake of conversation. Right. So when I say the left, I obviously don't mean every person that is a leftist or, or that believes in basically the ideas of leftism. Uh, but I do mean mostly most of academia, most of the media, most of their public intellectuals, whoever they may be, most of the political establishment is left. It just is. But of course, it's not everybody. But here's here's the broader point. If, if your premise is correct, and, and the premise of the article, and that, by the way, the, the reason I was so annoyed about the article wasn't because they were sort of throwing me under the bus, really. It really wasn't. I, I saw the article at first, and the article was, was posted with a picture of me and Tucker Carlson smiling. So it was clearly <laughs> aimed at sort of, sort of wedging me. Uh, as the guy that's like pushing the, the IDW too far right or something like that. But actually, that wasn't what bothered me. And I wasn't even going to tweet anything about it. 
Um, what bothered me was that in the article, he referenced that um, alternative influencer report from Data and Society, which is a completely debunked report that I think you were part of it too. Yes, you? yes, I was. I was one of the, the lucky people included in that. So literally all that this woman did, Becca Lewis, all she did was take a whole bunch of us and draw arrows to each of us. And she said that that proves that we're radicalizing people. Now, there were several mistakes in the arrows, including things that had to do with me. Not only that, but there were several people on there who I've blocked or muted on Twitter because I think they're awful. And there were plenty of other people I don't even know. So the fact that, A, he was referencing that article, then he was referencing an, an article, uh, he was referencing that report. Then he was referencing an article that Ezra Klein of Vox wrote specifically about me. It was, my name was in the title about how the, the report was so correct. But more dangerous what he was doing was, if you're telling me that Tim Pool, who is, who is a lefty, I, Tim Pool is, I think he's still sort of a Bernie supporter. You know, I've seen yeah. him have a nice, what I would argue is a pretty good evolution because I think he's coming around to a little, a little closer to where I am. So it's a, it's an evolution I'm sort of, similar to, but I don't want to speak for him. But if you're telling me that Brett Weinstein, who is a lefty, he is entire life, who had, who described himself as deeply progressive, who was a Bernie supporter, who has only voted for Democrats, if you're telling me that he can't count himself as part of the left anymore, then yeah, the Overton window has shifted in such a banana's way that that we have we have far bigger problems than most people realize. Now, I happen to agree that is Brett See, I don't, I don't, you know, Brett's a friend of mine also, so I, I, I don't want to speak for him. But what I would say basically is I don't think that most of the public people who consider themselves on the left, let's say the YouTube public people who still consider themselves on the left, the good liberals, say the Weinstein brothers, Sam, and the rest of them, I don't know that they could get any real lefties to show up for anything for them. They can get tons of conservatives to show up and libertarians to agree to disagree, uh, but progressives aren't going to show up anywhere for them. So I don't know what they have to do about that. Now, I'm a believer. Look, I did that video, Why I Left the Left on PragerU. So people will say all the time, oh, Ruben's just pretending to be on the left. And it's like, I'm not pretending anything. I, I did a video. It has over 10 million views over two years ago about why I left the left. My belief is that the set of ideas of the left and the institutional power of the left is so dangerous. It's so out of control. The, the collectivism around it and the, the moralizing and, and the desire to purge free thinkers and all of those things, it's so dangerous that that set of ideas needs to be destroyed. I tried for three plus years to say, as a lefty, here's what I see is wrong. Let's stop calling everybody racist. Let's stop calling everybody Hitler and Nazis and all of this really horrific, ridiculous language. And then that video came out, why I left the left. And by the way, I had never said that phrase. I had never said why, I had never said I left the left. And at first I wasn't that happy with it. Then I realized the video was picking up and I was like, you know what, it, 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 it is fundamentally true. I, I now, you know, I did, if I've shifted on anything, it's a little bit, I would say, libertarian on economics. Um, but the idea is I'm not st sitting there saying I have to fix this from left. I think some of those guys think that they need good liberals to try to fix it from the inside. I just don't think that can happen anymore. Now, that's fine. And if they prove me wrong, if, if the Weinsteins, let's say, and, and Sam Harris and some other good lefties who, who still exist, if they can fix this thing from the inside, well, that's a great ending to the story. I'll gladly take that ending. I don't see that as a viable option, though. What I see is is building bridges with people like you, building bridges with Shapiro and Prager and a whole bunch of other people. So basically, the issue is this. Some of the liberals, some of the lefties are going to have to try to fix this thing from the inside. My feeling is uh, it wouldn't be honest for me to do so. I like talking ideas with people like you. I find going to colleges and traveling the world and, and talking to conservatives and libertarians and, and, even, and even, you know, 
anarcho-capitalists and whoever is a rich, interesting conversation. And I don't, I see these people as unfair, unfairly maligned and I'm happy to continue having that conversation. But as I said, if it ends up that, that somehow these lefties can magically fix this thing from the inside, that, that ultimately would be fine because I would love to get, as Jordan always talks about, a healthy tension between left and right going again. We don't have a healthy tension. We have a left that is going completely bananas right now. And it's, and, and in many ways it's spinning the right off in some strange places. So we, we got to fix this stuff. Otherwise, we're going to look back and go, these were the good old days because things are going to be significantly worse. Right. Well, I look back at kind of maybe five years ago when, when I was back in school and the, the conversations I remember having with my more liberal or lefty friends were things like, um, okay, let's talk about socialized medicine, right? Tax codes, sort of like the quintessential old school disagreements between the left and the right. And I look back at them now and they just, they feel so wholesome. Like I wish that those kind of more policy oriented disagreements would be the ones that we're having instead of just calling each other names all the time. But I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to go back. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to go back. This is what the progressives have sowed. Uh, you reap what you sow. And after you've spent years and years and years calling everyone bigots and racists, it's a horrible, you can watch videos of mine, again, when I was still on the left, before Trump was president, when I was saying, you know, if all you guys got is he's Hitler and all of his supporters are racists, what you're going to do is you're going to paint yourselves into a corner. You're not painting them into a corner. You're painting yourself into a corner because let's say Trump ends up being somewhat decent, somewhat centrist, does some decent things. Let's say, I, I mean, this is exactly what I said. There's several videos of this. Even the video that I did the day of the election or the next morning after the election, I said, what if it turns out that this guy, despite all the rhetoric, the economy is basically okay. He doesn't try to take away anyone's rights, gay rights or anything like that. He doesn't get us into extra wars. Um, you know, unemployment goes down. He limits some regulation. I mean, basically good things. Well, you've just spent the last two years screaming that he was Hitler. You can't suddenly be like, ah, you know that Hitler guy? He's actually not that bad. And that is the danger. They've, they've put the, the gun to themselves right now. And that is a very, very dangerous game. And that's why you see none of these people, they never give up. So we just finished up two years, two plus years of a Russian hoax. And it's like, now they're moving on to taxes. And now they're moving on to investigate the investigators. And now Mueller's the bad guy and go after Barr. And it's like, they just need to grab on to anything. Uh, because I think fundamentally, their their set of values is is not based they don't know what it's based in. I think there's ways you could argue it's based in this or based in that, but I don't think most of them have a clue uh, where the right, broadly speaking, has an idea that we have God-given rights. And I think you can actually make a secular argument for this as well. You know, someone like- Like natural rights. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that natural rights. That's the position that I would take. But that the government did not give me these rights. I was born with these rights. The government could take them away. But the left, because the left believes in state power, they believe that the government is supposed to do everything and, and that you can fix everything through the government. And history will show you that all of the worst regimes, the biggest atrocities in, in history were all done under that same guise. Mm -hmm. And so the, the last thing that I want to sort of touch on before before we end is so much of what we've talked about today has to do with dialogue and opening up di dialogue, having conversation between different people. Um, as independent media figures, though, both you and I, I think 
we're up against a substantial hurdle in the form of online censorship. And this is something I talk about so much on my channel. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I keep talking about it because it still happens. Um, you know, on, on Twitter, you've been like very transparent about sharing the the difficulties that you're having with YouTube because, you know, there there are things like the outright bans, right, which we can all get upset about. But I think what's kind of even more insidious and more prevalent that we just maybe don't see it is are the ways that conservative or libertarian just in general and like not pro-progressive content is uh, kind of being shuffled underneath the deck there, hidden a little bit. Um, I can't help but sound like a conspiracy theorist when I say stuff like that. But in it's either January or February, YouTube actually did release a statement saying that they were going to be taking extra efforts to reduce the spread of, I guess, like extreme or conspiracy related content on their platform. Didn't give any definitions about what that would entail. Um, but they did outright say that, you know, flag content wouldn't be featured in search results or recommended videos as often. Um, I I know from our videos, what, what used to be like 30% views from recommended videos is now down from anywhere to two to five. I've spoken to other creators who have experienced similar things in this genre. Uh, what, what are your challenges like trying to run this sort of like open forum for speech and dialogue on a channel or sorry, on a platform that seems to be very against exactly that thing? Yeah. Well, first off, you know, things are conspiracies until they're not conspiracies anymore, right? So look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by nature. I, I consider myself a realist uh, and I like logic and reason and fact. Um, so I don't like having to attack Twitter, having to attack Facebook, having to attack YouTube. I would prefer not to do it, but they're leaving us with no choice because, and, and I, I've seen some of your tweets about this, but for those of us that don't want government intervention, all you've got is your voice. What I try to do always is use my voice. Uh, you know, my million subscribers now, my whatever it is, 500 some odd thousand Twitter followers. I try to use my voice to influence people so that they think about the issues. And I always say, I don't want the government involved in this. My hope is if I can, if I can make enough noise, then maybe somebody at YouTube would go, you know, are we messing around with this stuff? You know, mm -hmm. I was told by a, a contact at YouTube years ago that there was a bug on my channel and that's what was causing unsubscriptions. The more I went further on that email chain, eventually he just told me uh, he's moving positions and I should just fill out the main form there, you know, just like the blank submission form. So after five or so years of being on YouTube with over a million subscribers, I give them a show that could be on HBO tomorrow. It's a perfect broadcast quality television show, so to speak. I don't even have a human contact there, but that's not a bug. That's a feature. They don't want you to have any of the access to the information so that you sort of feel like a conspiracy theorist half the time. But you're right. And I like the, I like the word you use there, which is insidious, because this is insidious in that if you want to really censor people, the best way to do it is actually what I believe they are doing to people like us, which is soft censorship. So they cut the hands off of, say, Alex Jones or Laura Loomer or whatever. They just boot them. There's outrage for a couple of days and then people sort of forget about them. And that's just how it is. What I think they're doing to people like us is they know that we're much more centrist in nature and that our and that our we're not that combative. Mm -hmm. We're trying to build bridges, but they just don't like where we're coming from and they don't like the ideas. So what do you do? Well, there's ways to depress the algorithm. There's ways to de-boost things, as Facebook has said it has done. There's ways to shadow ban, as Twitter employees have privately admitted. Uh, and I would say my channel, since I had James O'Keefe from Project Veritas on about a month ago, and that's when it went from bad to just a freaking bloodbath. 
that's where my channel's at right now. We Every day, I mean, I did it again today. It's not fun. It's boring to have to retweet people that are telling me they're getting unsubscribed. And it's not just Reddit trolls that are trying to get me on this. I literally meet people on the street or at the airport every day who say, Dave, I'm unsubscribed from your channel. I have it on my freaking, on my iPad. I have it set up to get notifications, bell on, the whole thing from YouTube. I get nothing on there, but the podcast is always delivered. So our, our audio podcast is now doing way better than the YouTube show, which is so ironic because I put so much resource into building a great studio and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it, it's sucky, but my position still is I don't want the government involved. The idea that the government messes up everything and then just uses that mess up as an excuse to get greater and greater funding and mess up more things down the road. So it's just not the road that I want to go down. I still believe in human ingenuity. You know, I'm working on some stuff with, uh, with Jordan Peterson and some other things. And we'll have some announcements probably in the not too distant future. It just takes a lot of time because this isn't just about building tech. This is about building correct terms of service, really figuring out what those voluntary partnerships are. There's issues with payment processors, all of these things. So these are these are major lift things. But I don't you know, look, I always say this. I pay my California state taxes on a California state website. It looks like AOL in 1998. <laughs> The idea that the government is going to come in and somehow understand how to run this stuff or regulate it properly or that massive corruption won't come in. Or maybe right now, you know, a Trump government uh, or Trump in the presidency might be somewhat sympathetic to our political positions, let's say. Well, what happens when you when the Democratic Socialists are in power and now you've given them the power to regulate the tech companies that are already against us? Now you've given the perfect freaking storm of government power and tech power to, to actually crush all of us. And then we'll have no uh, way of fighting back. So we have to be careful what we wish for right now. And, and more than anything else, uh, I hope people just keep sharing videos and, and, you know, just getting stuff out there however they can. But it's sucky. It's not fun to do. Like, I don't like waking up and being like, oh, here we go again. YouTube's crushing me. I got to publicly attack them. I'd, I'd rather freaking tweet about my dog, honestly. Well, I, I think the the thing that bothers me about it is that I hate to you you kind of feel like you're just you're complaining a lot, right? And there're always going to be people like, "Oh, well, maybe your videos just suck." And it's like, "Well, they're doing really well on the other platforms." So it's it, it's not a fun position to be in as a creator, and frankly, I think maybe uh, some people don't realize that when you're in independent media, you're not just the like the face of the show, but you're also you're looking at your own algorithms. You're 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 looking at like your SEO and stuff. You're doing all of these things that the mainstream media doesn't have to worry about. Like it's that much harder just to get yeah. your voice heard. Um, someone who, by the way, you know, YouTube rev. My YouTube rev this month is off by like seventy five percent, which that's that's how it's one of the three main ways that I support my staff and my show. Uh, you know, we're completely independent. So we have YouTube Rev, we have Podcast Rev, uh, and we have, you know, direct support. I used to be on Patreon and we moved it over to my website. That's the bulk of our support. But, you know, when you want to build a functioning business, you you sort of look at the books and you go, well, how much do I make every month? But if every month your Rev is going like up, this, yeah, it, it makes it hard to figure out how to expand and all sorts of other things. So, you know, I don't want to sit here and be like, cry me a river because we're doing well and, and I'm smart and I've got a good team and we're going to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's annoying. Like my, the frustrations that you have, I share them with you and, uh, we just have to keep, keep being smart, keep being ahead of the game and we'll figure it out. Well, I'm glad you met, you gave us a little update on the, what you're building with, uh, Dr. Peterson. Cause I was actually going to ask you about that, but I guess now I don't have to. Um, so I can't, I can't say much more. I can tell you it's just a super heavy lift. 
Um, and, you know, Jordan's got some personal stuff going on at the moment um, that I can't quite get into. It's, it's somewhat public. Uh, but there, there's just a lot going on that we're trying to figure out. There's a lot of moving pieces here. But uh, for any of your any of your viewers or listeners that know about this, it's like, trust me, we're, we're working on it. Mm-hmm. We're working on it. And well, these things, you know, people are like, oh, I want it next week. And it's like, that's not exactly how this stuff works. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that things are in motion. And that whenever I have people tell me like they've been unsubscribed or that they're not seeing my like videos pop up in their subscription feed, what I always tell them is make sure you're following me on as many platforms as possible. Because that way, you know, if, if the YouTube video doesn't go out as it's supposed to, at least you can see when I tweet about it or something like that. So with that being said, for people who aren't following you yet for some crazy reason, uh, where where should they go to do that? Uh, my branding guy is good. It's youtube.com slash Ruben Report. It's uh, at Ruben Report on Twitter, Facebook, Ruben Report. Uh, my website's DaveRubin.com, although I think Ruben Report just redirects over there. Um, yeah. And, you know, as I said to you, Lauren, in, when I had you in studio, really, I, I truly mean this. I, I, I'm thrilled to see your success and, and maturation and what you're doing because we needed – more people like you out there and you're building something good. And I think you're, you're honest and decent. And, uh, you know, I look forward to watching you continue to blow it up. Oh, I am. I am always flattered when you say nice things about me, feel free to go on. That's it. (laughs) Okay. You're cutting me off. Um, well, you know, thanks again so much for coming on. Really appreciate the insights. Uh, hope anyone listening, if they haven't already is also, you know, subscribing to you. Uh, I encourage them to check out the podcast format. I enjoy like listening as I'm folding laundry, but thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure, Lauren. Well, that's the show for tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And if you are one of our live viewers, then be sure to stay on the stream because we are going to be back in just a few seconds with some exclusive Q&A. But aside from that, we'll see you next time.